0: Again, good morning. Welcome to Christ Community Church. Glad you're here today. Uh, The older kids are not going to be dismissed, right, Uh, Ivy? Uh, The little ones, I guess, are already back there, I'm assuming, okay? Is that right? hope so. Uh, Welcome. Greet you in the name of my Savior. I'm glad y'all are here today. Um, I took my grandson camping this weekend. Um, Ooh. That was an experience. So when there was a perfectly good indoor place to stay with, then you could literally touch it. And uh, he wanted to go camping, so we, we did that. Uh, Christopher, I love that song, um, um, Open the Eyes of Our Hearts, or My Heart. Um, it's one of the things that I pray every day uh, for you and for me. Uh, the Christians that Paul tells us to do, he said, he said that I pray, Paul prayed every day, for the Christians in his life, that God would open the eyes of their hearts so that they could see God's calling and God's power and God's love and his riches that he had for them. And I, that's one of the things that I pray, I try every morning to pray for you and for me that God will incline our hearts toward the Lord, that he'll open the eyes of our hearts so that we can really see him for who he is. So that I pray that he'll unite our hearts with his heart in fear And that he'll satisfy our hearts. um, That we will find our true satisfaction in him. So just sometimes I think people wonder, what do you pray for me on a regular basis? Well, those are some of the things that I try to pray um, on a daily basis for you and for me. I was thinking this week about uh, the up and coming election. Uh, That'll be here, I guess, in about a year. And um, I was thinking about the election in 2016 and how when I went to bed, uh, whatever night that was, how the two different sides of that deal had very different countenances than when I woke up. And uh, how so many people that morning after the election woke up and they were in absolute shock uh, of what had taken place the night before. Like it or not like it, they were just in shock uh, and disbelief about how that election turned out. And um, I was just thinking about that, just wonder what those people would have given To have been able to know how that would have turned out in advance. Wonder how they would have managed their election strategies differently. Had they been able to tell the future. Um, I believe that we live in a world that would give anything. To be able to tell the future. To know what is going to happen before it happens. And I was thinking this week just about the impact upon different areas of our world. If people had the ability to tell the future. To not just predict, but to know what would happen before it happened. Um, on the world of travel, if people knew in advance how trips and transportation would ultimately wind up occurring. this Obviously, the stock market. Can you imagine if just for one day you knew tomorrow what stocks were going to go up And what stocks were going to go down. Can you imagine the impact that that would have? Um, Weather. Sports. Sorry for those of you uh, Tiger fans. Uh, That was a deal yesterday. Shirley and I were driving home from our camping experience. And uh, we were listening to the game. Or she was listening to the game. Boy, they were sad campers. Uh, But can you imagine if you knew in advance how sporting events were going to turn out. Uh, You might uh, head out to uh, Tunica or Las Vegas if you knew how to predict the future. If you knew whether it would land on red or black. Just by example, one of many. If you knew what would happen when you pulled that lever the next time. Um, The world of insurance. The impact that knowing the future would have on insurance, on health and the health and medical world, and then just on our own personal lives. Can you imagine being able, what it would do as far as your choices, your actions, your reactions, your relationships, if you knew what was going to happen in the future? And I asked myself, uh, well, let me just say, I think the world is is dying to be able to do that. I think the the world would give anything to be able to tell the future. Um wonder what you do to be disciplines. What work, what disciplines, what activities would you be willing to? to do if it would result in you having that ability? What, what kind of trouble would you go to to be able to tell the future, to see into the future and know what would happen? What trouble, what effort would people go to to have that ability? And I think the more scary and uncertain the world we live in becomes, I think, the more um, valuable, the more uh, sought-after that ability would be. Um, it, you know, the idea that it would give me control. It would give me security to be able to see into the future and know what was going to happen. What, it, somehow it would make me think I was more secure, that I had more control... In my life. And I think that many, many people would, would see it that way as well. Um, the Bible challenges that. And some of you uh, are, are going to challenge me on this. I know. And that's okay. Um, we can talk about it later on uh, if you want to. But, but all I can tell you is what the Bible says. And the Bible says that there's only one person that can actually tell the future. That can actually see into the future and know what is going to happen. It's a it's a quality that the Bible says only God possesses. It's a it's a quality that sets God apart. It 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 makes God unique. It it's a part of God's transcendency. That's a big long. $50 word that just means that God is wholly other, that He is unlike any other being in the universe. He's apart. That's what it means to transcend. You're apart. And one of the things that separates God, that sets God apart from every other being on the planet, is His ability to look into the future and know what is going to happen. In fact, the Bible says, and I'll read a verse to you to validate this. The Bible says very, very often that God's ability to look into the future and know what's going to happen is one of the things that separates God from all other fake gods or false gods. No other God, no other God has the ability to look into the future and see and know what's going to happen. Only God. Isaiah 46 says this, God says, remember the things that I have done in the past. For I alone am God. I am God and there is none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it even happens. All that I have planned will come to pass. For I do whatever I wish. I could read no exaggeration, 30, 40, maybe even 50 verses that touch on this. Let me just give you a couple more. Jeremiah 10 says, uh, the Lord says, don't act like other peoples who try to read their future in the stars. Don't fear their predictions like peoples who are terrified by them. This type of behavior is futile and foolish. These people cut. The, these are people that do things like what I'm about to read. They cut down a tree and carve it into an idol and decorate it with gold and silver and fasten it securely with nails so that it won't topple over. These gods are like helpless scarecrows in a field. They can't speak and they must be carried for they cannot walk. Don't fear such gods. For they cannot harm you, and they cannot help you. There is no one like you, Lord. For you are great, and your name is full of power. Who wouldn't fear you, O King of Nations? That title is yours and yours alone. Among all the wise people of the earth, and all the kingdoms of the world, there is no one like you. What he's saying is there's no one in the universe that has a unique ability to look into the future and see what will happen. That quality, that attribute, that ability belongs to God alone. And that, I love that passage that I just read to you out of Jeremiah 10. Isaiah basically says the same exact thing uh, in another passage, but I love that passage in Jeremiah 10. Because it just, the, the, Jeremiah is very intentionally trying to show how pathetic, how worthless, how weak, how useless, how how uh, how pitiful it is for people to try to seek to know the future, and they will go to the most absurd means to try to do that. How foolish, how desperate, how pitiful, how pathetic, how worthless, how helpless it is for us to seek other means. Whether it's a wooden God that's been nailed to a plank or a golden God that's been put on a, a, a stone uh, pedestal or whether it's uh, people going to see some old gal uh, in a little old dark room with a, with a, a clear circle ball and a candle. Uh, Shirley and I love to watch, um, oh crud, Ghost with Patrick Swayze. We love that movie. Um, but I, I never, and I bet we've watched it two or three dozen times. No kidding. I mean, it's pathetic. We're flipping the channels and it's on. We stop and watch the thing. And it's a great movie. And let me tell you something. If you've never watched it. I know of no. Rendition. Of what it must look like. What it must be like. To die. To go into eternity. Without Christ. Than what that movie. They didn't even know what they were doing. But when those people died. uh, Without Christ. What that looked like in that movie, I'm telling you what. It'll uh, it'll do something to you, and uh, but that's not my point today. My point is that in that movie, there's a there's a scene where this lady Whoopi Goldberg, um, who's an incredible actress, um, well she usually I don't know if she's dead or not, but whatever she is, uh, she was she was a great actress. I don't know if she still is, Um, but she uh, she's a fortune teller. And she can uh, she convinces people. She, well, she 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 says uh, she convinces people that she can uh, 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 bring people back from the dead to talk to their relatives, so that their relatives can come and ask them questions. Where's the insurance policy? Or what's going to happen next? And all these kind of shenanigans. And uh, um, I always watch that scene, and it's supposed to be funny, and it is funny. But I always watch that scene. And I think you know. There there are people all over the world. Who they're not funny about that. There's nothing funny about that. They are going. To people. Who got little signs out front. Saying. uh, Whatever. uh, uh, And they go in here. And they pay these people money. To tell them the future. And how pathetic. How pitiful, how useless, how wasted that time, that energy, that emotion, that money is used um, to try to do that. But people will go to the most pitiful, extreme, ridiculous uh, means to try to find out what's going to happen in the future. Um, Isaiah 44 says, I am the Lord. I am the ki- I am your King and your Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I'm the first and I'm the last and there's no other God like me. Let Him come and prove His power. Let Him do as I have done. What does He say? He's mocking other people. Other Powers or beings or deities that that uh, would claim to be like him. He says, "Let him come and prove his power. Let him do as I have done since ancient times, when I established a people and explained their future before it occurred. Didn't I tell you my plans before long? Uh, for didn't I tell you my plans for you long ago?" You're my witnesses. Is there any other God like me? No, not one. And I, like I said, I probably could share with you several dozen verses that would proclaim that there is no one that exists who has the ability to tell the future, God, future, and know what is going to occur. Save God. Jehovah God, the God of the Bible. No one else can do that. Not only does the Bible say that God alone has the ability to do this, but the Bible also says that only people who God gave certain power to that called prophets, only they were able to do that. People, other people are not able to do that. Only God's prophets are able. Uh, and their ability to look into the future and proclaim what will occur before it happens, oh, uh, only the prophets of God are able, or were able, are able, depending on your theology, uh, were able, are able to do that. Um, no one else, and that's what separated true prophets from false prophets, you might say, "Well, I know somebody. I read a book, and I, this guy said it uh, or said something, and then it occurred. I went and t- uh, i've got a a, a a precious loved one who uh, um, she on a on a whim with a bunch of women that just were having a night out on the town and uh, 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 just as a joke, something to do, they went and saw one of these uh, people that, that claimed that they could tell the future. And, and they said, and they were laughing, carrying on probably drunkard skunks. And uh, uh, the, uh, the, the fortune-telling person uh, went around and said, you know, you're going to meet somebody that you've never known before next week. You know, just silliness. Something bad's going to happen to you next month. Well, something good's going to Just silliness, you know. But when, they, when this person went around, uh, their countenance completely changed and they looked square at this loved one of of mine and said uh, I forgot exactly the way they worded it but basically they said uh, the person that you love the most in the world is going to die tomorrow and they did and it ruined the rest of their life they never never got over it you might say well Larry see right there See right there? They they were able, that was not a true prophet of God and they were able to do that. A broken clock is right two times a day. Right? I'm not saying that there aren't moments and the Bible's not saying that there aren't moments when even false prophets can specifically say something or look at it and, and be given the ability to, but I'm talking when the when the Bible says that it's a, that prophets of God can do this, they do it every time. They never are wrong. They never are general. They're never vague. They are one hundred percent of the time. You can tell a prophet of God from a false prophet of God because they're always right, and they're never. You can't show me one prophecy that a prophet in the Bible uttered that was vague. Or general. It was always very specific, and they're always 100% of the time right. Listen to what uh, the Bible says about that Deuteronomy 18. Anyone who practices divination, tells fortunes, interprets omens, or is a sorcerer, a charmer, a medium, or inquires of the dead is detestable in the eyes of God. Others do these detestable things and the Lord your God will ultimately remove them from their land. But you must be blameless before the Lord. Others consult sorcerers and fortune tellers. But the Lord your God forbids you to do this. Jeremiah 27 says don't listen to false prophets, diviners and dreamers and fortune tellers and sorcerers who say to you, oh you won't suffer loss and pain for they are lying to you. And then in Deuteronomy 18 the Bible says a prophet who speaks a word in my name that I have not told him to speak or who speaks in the names of other gods, that prophet shall die. And if you ask, how can I know if it's the Lord's word? How can I know if they're a false prophet or a true prophet? When a prophet speaks in the Lord's name, if the word does not come true, then that prophet is not a prophet. That is not the Lord's word. Do not fear or heed him. Only the true God and the true prophets of God have the ability, according to Scripture, to perfectly know and foretell the future. If you have ever done any study in the... Um, the way, I don't know the right word, There's a, there is a better word, but the... The way the New Testament church. The, the church in the book of Acts. The, first, the church in the first uh, uh, 70 years. From 30 A.D. to 100 A.D. If you've ever studied anything about what the early New Testament church looked like. One of the things that you'll discover is that one Belief that separated New Testament Christianity from all other religions of their day was their unwillingness to seek to know the future. The other religions of that day, often they had procedures and beliefs and and, um, things that they would do to try to get the spirits or the gods to in, to reveal to them what would happen but if you read the history of the early new testament church they never did it. in fact they 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 uh rejected anything that smacked of seeking to know what would happen they took god's uh commands in the old testament very seriously not to seek to know the future and not to seek to predict the future. In Isaiah 8, the prophet says, don't look to idols and do not look to fortune tellers to know the future. Look to your God instead. In Isaiah 41 says, God says, tell us what will occur in the days ahead. Pr- He's talking about false gods. Tell us what will happen in the days ahead that'll prove that you are a god in fact do in us but you are anything that will amaze amaze or frighten us but you are less than nothing and you can do nothing at all and all who choose you choose to look to you false gods to try to tell the future you are polluting your lives The early church took very seriously those Old Testament commands to not know the future, to not seek to know the future. They they rejected that completely. Uh, Instead of trying to know the future, the passion and the, the activity of the early church is they wanted to know the God of the future. They, didn't, it, they, they did not seek to know what would happen. They sought to know the one that they believed controlled what would happen. And in fact, in uh, their writings consistently, what they would say in different ways, using different words, but the message was the same. We don't need to know the future, for our God is our future. They believed that the God that they prayed to, the God that they worshipped, the God that they served, the God that they believed lived in their heart, they believed that he was their shepherd. And as such, they believed that he would lead them day in and day out. He would lead them in the direction that they needed to go that was best for them. And because they believed that God was their shepherd, they had no need to know what would happen or where to turn or what to do in the future or what would happen they, because of their faith that God would lead them in the direction and the path that they were to go. They took very seriously Jesus' words. Consider the birds of the field or the birds of the sky and the flowers of the field. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't work, but their heavenly Father takes care of them. And if he takes care of the birds of the air and the flowers of the field, will he not even more so take care of you? Since God cared for them and placed value on them, there was no need to try to know the future or worry about the future. They put their hope in God's love, God's care, God's sovereignty. Just like David did, just like Jeremiah did. In Psalm 31, David says, Lord, I am trusting in you. I declare you are my God. My future is in your hands. And in Psalm 17, the psalmist says, David says, As for me, I will behold your face in righteousness. When I awake, I will be satisfied with your presence. Now, whether he's talking about tomorrow or whether he's talking about after he dies, his focus and his confidence and his passion was to know the one that he believed was with him and to know the one who someday he would go to be with. Therefore, he did not need to know the future. And then fourthly, they actually believed very strongly. Uh, you know, when I was when I first became a Christian, I didn't I didn't know the obviously I didn't know the scriptures very well at all, and I didn't realize what I was uh, involved in. I didn't realize what was going on in the church at the time. But when I became a Christian, um, that was back in the seventies and the early eighties, and um, man, prophecy. Was um, the deal? It was the deal of How uh, How Lindsey with late great Planet Earth and all these people. And I'm not I'm not criticizing anybody. I'm not being negative. I'm just saying what I'm saying. And that is that in the '70s and the '80s, they used to have these huge conferences, prophecy conferences, and you could go and they'd tell you everything was going to happen and all that kind of stuff. And I. I, literally, I threw away, I'll bet you, 200 books last year that all of them dealt with prophecy. Every one of them I wouldn't blow my nose with. Now, uh, not because they were necessarily wrong, but I've come to the place where I see things the way I believe the New Testament church did. And that was that the Bible... When you take the 66 books as a whole and you look at each book in particular, it is amazing how little the Bible tall amount of... It is an unbelievably small amount of space that the Bible devotes to what's going to happen. Does the Bible mention it? Sure it does. Are there certain books, Revelation First and second Thessalonians, uh, uh, part of uh, second Peter, uh, Jude. Of course, the Bible talks about it, addresses it. But I'm telling you, when you take all that the Bible talks about and you break it into categories and topics, it is amazing how little the writers of the Bible focused on what was going to happen in the future. And the reason I believe that's so important is that the New Testament church believed that the Bible primarily was written to help us get to know the Son of God, not to discover what was going to happen in the future. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5. May the God of peace make you holy in all ways and may your body and soul and spirit be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. And then later on he says in the same chapter, Christ died for us, so whether we are alive or dead, at His return, we will live with Him forever. Do you hear the theme? Do you hear the emphasis How's that going to happen? When's that going to occur? What's that going to look like? What are going to be the signs that will help me know that, it was, that it's about to? It? What Paul says over and over and over and over again is focus on what God is doing in your life right now. Focus on building and developing a healthy, strong relationship with Christ right now. Don't be consumed with what the future looks like. He will return. And when he does, the Bible says repeatedly, for those that have a love relationship with him, it's going to be better than you've ever dreamed. And for those that do not have a love relationship with him, it's going to be more horrible than you have ever imagined. But how that works, when that works, what that looks like, what are the indicators in the sun? I'm telling y'all, the Bible mentions very little related to that. And that's because the early church firmly believed that what was of utmost and primary importance was to build a love and faith relationship with the Son of God. Every one of us get up every day and we seek to create a life where we feel like we have control and security. I'm just wanting to remind some of you today and maybe tell some of you today for the first time. The Bible consistently declares that in our attempt to find control And security for our lives. Looking to people. Looking to signs. Looking to powers. Looking to anything to try to discover what is going to happen tomorrow. The Bible says that that is wrong. Correct and invalid. It will not help you. It will be incorrect and invalid. It you will, you will miss what God wanted you to know because of your focus on what you think is going to happen. It will not bless your life. God calls us to be faithful in our ability and time to seek and know and trust not the information that we gain about the future, but to seek to know and trust the one who holds the future in his hand. And the more I get to know that person. The less stressed I'll be. And I believe the less stressed you'll be. About what the future looks like. And what it holds. Um, I don't want to offend anybody in here today. Uh, maybe I have. I don't know. Uh, but I know I know there are people in here. Who you don't leave the house until you've read. Uh, some message in the newspaper or in some book you've got or you, you maybe have gone to, to uh, places trying to find the future. Uh, and I would just appeal to you, um, whether you agree with me or not is not important. In fact, it's less than important. But what is important is what the Word of God says. And I would just appeal to you, search the Scriptures, Google, what does the Bible say about Palm readers and fortune uh, tellers and people that can predict the future. And you look and see, you'll be shocked at the number of verses. The, the, uh, the, the amount of ink that God devotes to telling his children stay away from those things. They cannot tell you the future. Oh, <laughs> every once in a while some random lucky guess or some manifestation of the power of evil. I'm not denying that, and the Bible doesn't either. But I'm telling you that the Bible declares rather than doing those kind of shenanigans, get to know the one who created not only the universe, but the time in which the universe operates. Learn to know Him and trust Him and follow Him. And if you and I will do that, the Bible says, "Okay, we're going to take the Lord's Supper." Um, John, you've been on vacation for about—it seemed like a year. I don't know if it's been a year or not, but uh, yeah. Oh, I've missed you. I mean, I've been wandering around like a like a sheep in the desert. Didn't even know what to do. Come up here and help me. You and Ashley, y'all, come up here and help me, would you? We're going to take the Lord's Supper. One of y'all stand right there, and one of you stand right there. I'm so glad you're back home. John's been in Florida taking care of his mama, um, who broke her tailbone, and uh, but she's better now, right? She's great. Okay, good, good. Yeah, yes, yeah, she is a strong lady. A strong yes, lady. Um, we're happy that you're home, my friend. Um, we're gonna take the Lord's supper, and uh, we do this each week. As just a, a weekly reminder that God sent His Son to come to this earth and live a perfect life. And He ultimately gave His life as a sacrifice and died on a cross for our sin. That's the, that's the, that's the gospel. The message of the gospel. And when we eat this bread and drink this wine, what we're saying is I believe the message of the gospel. The message being that the wisdom of God provided a way for the love of God to rescue us from the wrath of God without compromising the justice of God. And When we eat this and drink this that's what we're saying. I believe that. I believe that the wisdom of God Provided a way for the love of God to rescue us from the wrath of God without compromising the justice of God. And so today, if that's your hope, that's where your faith has been placed. I believe that God sent His Son to die on the cross for me. And I've asked Him to be my Savior. i put my trust in His sacrifice on the cross. He is my Savior. And I look forward to the day when he comes back. But in the meantime, I'm not trying to discover the future. I'm just glad I'm in relationship and, in, and on a journey with the one who controls the future. If that's your hope, that's your belief, then you come and you eat and you drink, you remember and you give thanks. Uh, Michael, there will be people on the right and left who will be praying for us. If you need prayer, There'll be people over by this window and by this one who would love to pray with you.